Hello and welcome to ESPN Scrum Reset, uh, this grand final edition of Super Rugby on both sides of the Tasman. My name is Sam Bruce, I'm the Associate Editor of ESPN.com.au and joined today by the Mayor of Brisbane himself, Jimmy Tucker, <laughs> jumping out of his skin ahead of the biggest game in Queensland in years. Jimmy, welcome aboard. Thanks, uh, Sam. I'm here in a blue jacket, but uh, red uh, boxer shorts. <laughs> well, we might get a look at those later, uh, touch wood. Uh, Christy Doran, also back with us from Fox Sports and the 15. Uh, Christy, uh, welcome back again, mate. Yeah, great to join. Less, less about the boxes, the better, but um, it's, it's good to be joining. Righto, boys. Well, let's get into it. Uh, as I said, it's, uh, it's clearly a huge week of rugby down in this corner of the world. Um, the Reds and Brumbies going head-to-head at Suncorp Stadium. On Saturday night, uh, ticket sales tracking for about above 40,000 people, which is just a great result for the Reds and Australian rugby on the whole. Um, we've heard about the, the viewing figures both on Stan and Channel 9, uh, which we'll get to later. But Jimmy, just bring us in, mate, on what the vibe is up there in Brisbane at the moment. Um, clearly a real momentum behind this side, despite that last up loss against the force. Um, fill us in what it's like up there this week. Well, it is a great vibe because that crowd figure you mentioned there, the Reds haven't been able to get 20,000 to a game over the last uh, couple of seasons, even though there's been uh, such positive rugby in different games. Uh, Queensland fans really get behind winners. We saw it the last couple of years with the Brisbane Lions, huge uh, outpouring of backing at uh, the Gabba. And it's the same with the Reds. Um, to have 40,000 at Suncorp Stadium, such a great viewing stadium, such a, a big event venue uh, is huge for the state. And uh, it's great for, for this uh, Super Rugby AU because it has been a, a new flip of the coin this last two seasons. And to have this as a culmination over 40,000 at a venue, it, it really does vindicate uh, to me how... Uh, fans have accepted all Australian competition and it has been two teams Brumbies Reds who have been the dominant teams both seasons and it is a great climate. Yeah of course uh, played twice earlier this year and two of the best games of Super Rugby we've had in this country in years you'd have to say uh, Reds winning on both occasions really late on in both contests um, Clearly, there's a huge omission this week. Christy fell the Reds and Brad Thorne. Uh, Hunter Paisami ruled out last week, um, so we've known for a while. So I guess they've had that up their sleeve that they've been able to plan, come up with a plan and, and really tweak things for Hunter not being there. But um, just how much of a loss is he uh, for this game on Saturday night? Massive, massive. I remember Jim Tucker um, a, year and a year and a bit ago when we were up at Dolby and a, a bloke called Hunter Paisami comes off the bench and, and not long after, sorry to throw you under the bus here, Jim, but not long after Jim Tucker goes to me, he's on my shoulder with his son next to him, and he says, look, I don't, don't, I don't think too much of this, this boss army bloke. And um, uh, only a day earlier, I'd asked James O'Connor, who, who's the one bloke to look out for this year? And he said, Hunter Boss Army, he can do things that not many people can, and he's got a really good skill set. Watch out for him. And from that moment, I thought, okay. And then all of a sudden, he set up, I think, two tries. He might have scored one try, but he sets up two tries in quick succession at Dolby. And I thought, geez, this guy's a player. And I think Jim, within about 10 minutes, had changed his tune. So um, obviously, he's picked up in the talent eventually. But 
we saw we saw this year without Hunter Plasami, the Reds struggled to get over the game line and struggled to score tries. They didn't score a try once Plasami left the field against the Force um, midway or late in the first half the other week um, over in Perth. And against the Brumbies, uh, when he was missing a couple of weeks early, yes, the Reds managed to win, but the two tries that they scored came off kicks. And for the first 48 minutes, they really weren't able to get over the game line. There was a lot of same um, sideways attack. We saw Tate McDermott jump out of uh, halfback and also play at 5-8 a lot of the time um, off lineouts with, with Fraser and Nick Wright being at, at a lot playing at halfback a lot from line out. So they did that because they don't have the penetra uh, penetration from, from Paisami in the midfield, um, the three-pronged attack of being able to run, pass and kick. He's a massive absence. I, I, I actually think even though that the Brumbies are missing a couple of players, a couple of forwards, Pete Samo, um, James Slipper, and we'll see Falea Fyinger come off the bench, I actually think that Paisami's Absence is the biggest of the lot by a country mile. And I still think it's about par because I just think that the Reds is attack 9, 10, 12, 13, and 15. They're all small players. Um, yes, some of them have got some pace, but they don't offer that game line bending ability. And, and, and consequently, you're going to be able to have to see Harry Wilson play in the midfield a lot to try to get over the game line a lot. Yeah, which he does off, off lineouts quite a bit already. Jimmy, um, Josh Fluke comes in there at outside centre. Jordan Pattaya stays on the wing. How do you think Brad Thorne will have tweaked things to um, compensate for that loss of Paisami? Because we know, as Chrissy was saying, he provides that game line thrust in the back line. They get it up front from, from Taniela Tupu, um, which they'll still have this week. But how will they look to approach things, do you think, in the backs without Paisami? I think Chrissy's made some really good points there. Uh, I, I think uh, keeping Patea on the wing uh, means he can be a roaming threat. Uh, that means he can be used to crash it up uh, in midfield. He can come in in unexpected situations, and that's far better than maybe being in a more programmed position at outside centre uh, where Fluke uh, can always be set well in the defensive line and whatever. So I think Patea is... Uh, must be used, must get plenty of touches in this game. Um, Thorne is quite consistent with his passion for certain players and their abilities, like Jock Campbell. Uh, he's a slight of build, but he's got a really great knack of slipping through the line. So they probably want uh, Campbell to do a lot of that stuff. Dalgunu coming off the bench, they'll probably need a bit of him, a bit of his X factor to, to break the line in the second half. But again, Chrissy made some good points there, but I think um, uh, that centre pairing that Thorne's picked with Stewart and Fluke, he backs them defensively. He knows how good Ikatao and Simone are for the, the Brumbies. And I don't see it too much different, uh, really, to the 2011 final. You had two very underrated red centres. You had Anthony Fainga and Ben Tapawai. And they were up against Sonny Bill Williams and Robbie Fruin. And on paper, you would have said heavyweights against middleweights, but um, Flanger would tackle him low, tap away, uh, knock Sonny Bill over up top, and the red centre's got a points decision definitely in that final. So uh, things can happen in finals, and I rate Hamish Stewart. He's a really good defender and, and a sensible uh, leader of the defence. So I think fascinating, but I, I think the Reds uh, have some of those elements covered that Chrissy mentioned. Jim, uh, I'm going to jump back in here. Like, 
Jock Campbell's a fullback. He's played his best rugby at fullback. I cannot understand for the living daylights why he's been shifted to the wing. We saw Jock Campbell get absolutely towed up against the Waratahs uh, at the SCG when the when the Tars ran in about 40 points in, in 30 minutes against the Reds. And it was an embarrassment. And 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 ever since, you know, I, I think one of the main reasons why Jock Campbell, who I think is an excellent fullback, hasn't been in this Wallabies squad is because he's considered as only as a fullback. Um, he, he's not considered as a, a as a winger. I don't think he's good uh, as good as Ben Smith is on the wing, who was excellent there. Um, I, I can't believe that Felipe Downguna is not in that side, particularly when you don't have Hunter Paisami starting. And, and in addition to that, you know, Sully Bunavalu, I know that the Reds are saying isn't wasn't. You know, he might have been one week away. But let's be honest, this is a guy who was brought in, and my understanding, around $500,000. It's a lot of money. He's the one bloke. Australian rugby needs uh, not just to have the super rugby sides compete against one another, but they need to be able to get other other people's attention. And, and, and you know, it, it would captivate a, a rugby league audience to, to see him running out there, you're going to get editors from newspapers going, Bunabala is playing. What's more important here? And I think it's, it, you know, yes, the Reds haven't won a Super Rugby title since 2011, but Bunabala is still a classy player. He still won a title, two titles with the Storm. He, he's no Muppet. He played rugby union right through as a, as a teenager. Uh, I'm surprised he's not on the bench. He could have, been, he could have played, uh, definitely come off the bench. Uh, he would have added a little bit, and he's still in the national interest, and I think he needs as much rugby as possible. All those points are, are valid, but Sully's not quite right uh, physically. Thorne uh, went into the selection meeting very much pushing the idea that he's a big game player, like winning grand finals for the Storm. That carries a lot of weight. He's not interested in uh, the PR at this moment of playing a guy so... Um, rugby league columnists who bag rugby endlessly can have a little moment of liking rugby for five minutes because a league converts playing the super rugby final, not interested at all. And he's picked the, the team he thinks can win the, the game. Suli um, is still a bit naive on rugby's finer points, but we've seen some of the super efforts he's, he's put in and he's that big body that would be very good. Mm. Uh, I do agree with you. If you are to ask me who should be in that starting side, I would have Dalgunu on one wing. Now, the point that's been assessed about uh, Filippo is that he's made too many errors um, this season. And that's why he's uh, found himself uh, in a rubbery situation between starter and bench a few times. Uh, and Thorne just thinks Jock Campbell has so much going for him. Now, um, I think against a, a bigger winger, when you're kicking to Campbell's wing, he can get a bit bullied in the air. Uh, but I, I don't see that in this uh, grand final. I think he matches up well against what the Brumbies have on the wing. Certainly spoiled for choice, the Reds, and it's a, uh, a great position for Brad Thorne and Queensland Rugby to be in, uh, both for this weekend, through to Super Rugby, oh, oh, sorry, Super Rugby Trans-Tasman, which kicks off straight away next week. Uh, boys, let's go into the Brumbies now. A few changes for them. Uh, Fainga and Slipper both out, and Samo as well. So we have Robbie Valentini, who just had an absolute tear of a game last week against the four shifts back to number eight. Um, where do you see they are at at this point? And um, how much did you read into what was a bit of a stop-start performance, I guess, against the force last week, who were able to trouble them? 
um, particularly defensively, their, their line held up really, really well. Jimmy, um, where do you see uh, the Reds um, targeting this Brumbies team? Well, uh, it was really instructive listening to the press conference after the Brumbies lost at Suncorp Stadium, a match they shouldn't have lost by two points. And Dan McKellar, the, the former prop in Dan McKellar came out, he was really shitty uh, because the scrum had been uh, turned over and you, you could get the tone of his voice that he, he thought some of the scrum penalties maybe have been awarded the wrong way or maybe the the rolling mall hadn't got the advantage through some penalties that the red scrum had got through their scrummaging. So uh, Dan will be putting the asset on his his front row. Uh, Teniela Tupo is huge there. Uh, not having Slipper on the bench certainly takes away the 80-minute sustainability of the Brumby scrum. I think that's hugely significant. I think the Reds bench is twice as good as the Brumbies bench. And the last 20 minutes where the Reds have really come on strong against the Brumbies in two games this year, I think can be really uh, decisive. Peter Summit, uh, he has won Super Rugby Finals with the Crusaders. Losing him is huge. Uh, you look at the Brumbies pack more forensically. Caden Neville, he hasn't really stood up in a big final. This is huge for Caden Neville. We mentioned Paisami in that game in uh, Canberra, I think it was. Paisami smashed him, a guy that's 25 kilos heavier than him. And Neville runs tall, ball just coughed up. So Neville's got a lot to prove. Um, guys like Swain and Frost, lots to prove in that Brumbies pack. So I, I think there's a bit more mongrel, a bit more heavy-duty hitting power in the Reds pack. So I think you'll see the Reds get their roll on in the pack. Yeah, Frost comes into that blindside spot there uh, on the side of the scrum. Christy, uh, what did you make of the Brumbies last week, mate? And, and how will Dan McKellar have approached this? How will he look to attack this this red side? Um, we know the quality they've got there, but perhaps not quite been at their best towards the back end of the competition. No, I don't think the Brumbies have been at their best all year. I think they've probably been... Uh, I wouldn't, I would, you can't say it's been a fail because they're in another final. But if you look at a team and the progression of a team, I don't think it's anywhere near what Dan McKellar would have wanted. And that being said, they are in a final. They look like they've been in second gear and they're kind of, there's a few stop starts. It's almost like a car, a learner almost just driving and not quite getting it into gear. Um, I, th I think that the Brumbies have, you know, they almost were a bit like the Wallabies of, of previous years last week where they made a lot of half chances but turned over possession once they had made that break, that initial break. And, you know, even Lenny Yikitao last week made a break or two and, and it just wasn't finished off. Um, not not good enough ball retention. And, and Mikello said a few times that there was a lot of dew on the field and it kind of does sound a bit like an excuse. There's not going to be that excuse though up in Brisbane probably on, on Saturday night. So I... Yeah, Jim's 100% right in the, in the fact that the Reds are really going to target the Brumbies at the set piece, particularly at the Moore. Um, but they've got a, they've still got outstanding backs to the Brumbies. And if they can if they can take their chances, I think they're right in with the mix. Robbie Valentini back at number eight. It's a nice... He dominated the NRC a few years ago playing number eight. So he shouldn't have any issues there. Um, Nick Frost is very quick. A lot of people talking about the fact that you know, Frost hasn't played six, and we know as a loser, you've got to be a bit more agile. But Frost is agile. He's he's quick. 
He, you know, he was an AFL junior. Um, he could run the hundreds quicker than most backs at Knox um, on the Upper North Shore line of Sydney. So I don't, I don't see there being too many issues around there. Um, but as Jim says, they, I think that that last 20 minutes is really going to be where the Reds will target. And if they're in the contest at that point in time, you probably do back them to, to go on and win. One thing we haven't mentioned and we've got to probably touch on is James O'Connor returning as captain, which is, I think, the right move. And it's and it's a, it's a big play, but it also, um, we know that O'Connor uh, likes to make the shots. Uh, I think the other, I think his other teammates um, get a bit more confidence when he's out there. Uh, he's going to take the points. So I think the Brumbies will take the points when they're on offer at times. Um, they're not going to just kick for the corner like they have in, in previous uh, matches leading up to this season. It's a final. So, you know, you, you often take the points on offer. Yeah, so game management going to be so important down the closing stages of this one, as we've seen in both games this year. And the Reds have certainly got it right. Uh, the Brumbies, perhaps not so much. Um, all right, boys. Well, uh, we've got a time to put your money where your mouth is. Uh, I tipped the Reds at the start of the season when Christy and I Sat in on the first podcast. I'm going to stick with them, and I'm going to say that it's a Reds victory by five. Jimmy? Uh, I'm Reds by seven. Um, I'll just labour uh, one, one little point. There's a, a deal of destiny about this for the Reds. Uh, Thorne came in when they were busted and, and no good, basically. And it's been a four-season process, and it's been a gradual improvement uh, to this point uh, where there, there is a a real luminous trophy on the line. So I feel there's a bit of destiny there. And there's a beautiful link back to the 2011 final. Guys like Angus Scott Young and Tate McDermott, they were in the stands that night. Uh, Tate had long hair, his little grommet from the Sunshine Coast, sitting with his mum and his uh, brother and sister high up in the absolute nosebleed stands. And he was there cheering on Will Genya running 60 metres on the chorus of the whole crowd to score the winning try. And, and I think uh, McDermott put the meaning of this game in probably its best context. If the Reds could win this, they, they could ignite inspiration for a whole another generation of Queensland uh, rugby kids. So again, you're seeing this Super Rugby AU having something bigger than just uh, Queensland, New South Wales. It can really help that progress for uh, rugby in Australia. And Christy, uh, great points, Jimmy. I think you, you spot on there, mate, about the resurgence of Queensland rugby under Brad Thorne. Um, Christy, are you uh, sticking with the, the men from uh, the Australian Capital Territory? I I am, and I'm, I'm only going to do that because uh, I think the, 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 the opening 40 minutes will set the tone. What, what I'm really – I'll tip them by three to five, but what I'm interested to see is – the guys like McWright, McDermott, Wilson, these three guys have got really key roles going forward for Australian rugby. And to get a victory now, I think, would be really important off the back of their relative success in 2019 with the junior Wallabies. It would be great for their maturity to be able to now uh, kick on, get a Super Rugby title and continue that resurgence because I think that's so important for the Wallabies, uh, particularly in the crucial position of nine and a half back. I, I'm... I'm really keen to see McDermott, whether or not he starts for the Wallabies, I'm not sure, but I'm really keen to see him um, provide a point of difference and, and get on that Wallabies bench at least, because I think that's really, really important. Yeah, can't wait for this one. Gents and uh, Jimmy, I know you'll be there Saturday night, mate, so uh, enjoy 
uh, Suncorp Stadium in all its red glory. Um, boys, of course, there is another grand final this weekend across the ditch. Um, Super Rugby Aotearoa drawing to a conclusion just a, an hour or so before we, we head to, to Brizzy. Uh, Crusaders have looked like finalists again the whole way through. Um, a slight hiccup through the middle part of the season with uh, that loss to uh, firstly uh, the Highlanders and then the Chiefs. Um, also a pretty narrow escape against the Hurricanes at home. They were then able to settle the other week against the Blues. I think they're probably back to somewhere near their best again. Uh, they've got big game players all around the park. Cody Taylor having absolute huge year. Uh, Sam Whitelock, clearly. Richie Moanga. Um, it's just loaded with uh, international superstars. And Will Jordan's just been about the best player in the competition for mine. I love watching him play. Jimmy, uh, are the Chiefs any chance? Oh, you love the underdog story. They're, they're underdogs for a good reason. This Crusader side is exceptional. And you have to look at the pedigree of the coach, like Scott Robertson, three Super Rugby finals when everyone's in the game. He's won those and he won the New Zealand competition last year. So he's got an exceptional ability to switch even a good team into a far better team when it comes to a final. So I think that means a huge amount. And... The Chiefs, it's Damien McKenzie, basically. Damien McKenzie, uh, and that's not denigrating any player around him in that Chiefs side, but he has had an exceptional season. Won a best and fairest award across the whole competition just yesterday um, with Stuff, uh, the New Zealand website. And, and he, he's done some uh, magic things. But you'd imagine uh, the Crusaders would have a plan just to limit the way he gets the ball, not give him those... Uh, just random kicks into the backfield if he's going to be attacking from there where he can just uh, set things alight. So I think you'll, you'll see a clever crusader side just limiting how McKenzie gets the ball and that, in effect, will limit his impact on the game. So for me, I see Crusaders as a clear winner in this. Christy, uh, the Chiefs and, and certainly the Highlanders as well were able to exert some real pressure on Richie Moanga and those, those two defeats that the Crusaders did suffer through the middle part of the year. Now, clearly that's got to start with a very robust defensive wall um, and perhaps sending the odd shooter out at Moanga to, to put him under a fair bit of pressure, something um, Argentina were also able to do uh, in that win at uh, Bankwest Stadium last year. Uh, he's seemingly back to his best. We know his ability to just jink in and around the defensive line and beat those uh, those defenders. Um, where do you think he's at and, and do you expect him to really step up and, and take control of this game and lead the Crusaders to a to a, a comfortable win? Is that Richie you're talking about, Sam? Yeah, Richie Moanga. Oh, he's he's probably the, the best hand in the world at the moment. Um, you know, I think the, the one point of difference that Bowden Barrett has is that just electric pace and that game awareness. But in terms of being a complete 10, I, I think Moanga is just that. One thing that the Chiefs will help them is, is someone having Lee Messon's only recently returned and having that experience um, that he's won a couple of Super Rugby titles. Those sorts of things help. But, you know, if you, we're talking about putting um, some defensive pressure on the Crusaders. Losing someone like Sam Kane, who's probably the best defensive seven in the world, is a, is a massive, massive blow. And I know that was a few weeks ago now. But, you know, they've still got guys like Lockie Bashir, who's just an absolute gun, who if, he, if he's not in the All Black squad, you'd be... You know, that would be uh, unbelievable. Mwanga is, is of such class, such pace, um, really has the ability to be able to kick 
um, to pass and to run. And I think when he's kicking the, the Crusaders as well as the All Blacks are uh, their best because we've seen, we saw against the Wallabies in Sydney and we saw against uh, the Argentina with uh, up in Newcastle, New Zealand, just absolutely run them off the feet through kicks, through, through um, you know, cross-field kicks. And, and I'd like to see the Reds do a bit more of that this week as well. But earlier in the game, I don't think it should be used as a last resort. It, you know, the kicking is such a big thing in, in rugby when, you, when you're dropping two or three blokes back to cover the backfield. So I expect plenty of that this week from, from Moanga, I think. Jimmy, there's two interesting side stories here with the coaches, isn't there? We've got Clayton McMillan, who stepped in for Warren Gatland, uh, who will coincidentally announce his, uh, his Lions squad uh, this evening, Australian time. Everyone's excited about that. Um, we know the struggles that Warren had last year in Super Rugby, Aotearoa, and then certainly Clayton uh, lost a couple of games and has then taken this side on this winning streak to get them to the final. On the other side of the coin, you have Scott Robertson, who's still yet to re-sign with New Zealand Rugby and the Crusaders. Um, Ian Foster only contracted to the end of the year, the, the two-year deal at this stage. Um, we know the debate around the All Blacks coaching position, and, and clearly there's probably not going to be any, any moves made on that before we see the Bledisloe Cup and, and Rugby Championship run and won this year. But where does a win here leave Scott Robinson? And perhaps in his own mind, is it job done? Is it then, does it force him to think, you know what, a couple of years overseas might not be the worst thing for me? Or do you expect that New Zealand rugby will do everything it can to, to keep him there? And, and I guess keep him motivated to continue this amazing run that the Crusaders, providing they win tomorrow night, are on. Well, there's no doubt Scott Robinson's test ready. He could step in on a four-day schedule and, and coach a test team. I mean, that's how ready he is. Uh, it's uncannily like the Robbie Dean situation. Robbie Dean's was red and black uh, down, to his, down to his toes. And he couldn't find a way in to fulfil his dream to be a, an All Blacks coach. And he came to Australia. Now, Scott Robertson... Does he search overseas for what would be second best in his own mind? He wants to coach the All Blacks. That's pure and simple. Uh, he will come to the table later in the year, I'm expecting, with five trophies in his cabinet from these last couple of years and going, OK, well, I've got five trophies. Ian Foster lost to Argentina last year. Let, let's see what he's got on the, on the table. Like, Foster might well win a very... Uh, resounding Bledisloe Cup series victory, he might get done by Dave Rennie and then maybe a decision's taken off off the table. It's just Scott Robertson, 100%. Personally, I think Scott Robinson, uh, his mojo and his moment is right now. I would have him as the All Blacks coach going into next year and running to the World Cup. It just has a, a fit and a flow to it. Uh, but the All Blacks have always done it their own way. They know how much value there is in being part of the All Black camp, knowing exactly how it's done. And Foster has gone through that. He wasn't the most successful super rugby coach, but he's been completely uh, indoctrinated with how the All Blacks do things. And the New Zealand Rugby Union have their bloke in charge. They beat, to the, they beat their own drum, the All Blacks. So it's going to be a fascinating um, progression to the end of the year. And if Scott Robertson goes overseas, He'll sign with another country and it'll be for a minimum two years. So he could potentially be at the next World Cup with another country. And then you don't know how the cycles uh, marry up. So 
huge decision because they don't, just don't want to lose someone as good as Scott Robinson. Christy, a word on either Robinson or Clayton McMillan and, and Warren Gatlin equally? Well, let's just start from the Chiefs' perspective. We know that he took over from Warren Gatlin and the Waratahs got an interesting decision to make because, you know, they're being heavily linked to a guy called Les Kiss who previously spent five, six years <laughs> in the Waratahs as an assistant. Uh, but then since then has been a defensive coach in Ireland at Ulster, is now at London Irish. If they were to go down a similar sort of path, you bring those mentalities, the same sort of structures as what Northern Hemisphere rugby brings. If you didn't work at the Chiefs last year with Gatlin there for whatever reason, they were very much in the contest for a lot of games but just couldn't get the chocolates. That That's something that I think the Waratahs will have to consider. Uh, but from a Robertson's perspective, you know, there were links, there were some rumours that Wales were very much itching and could have brought him over in, in place of PVAC. Um, had PVAC not had a, a successful Six Nations campaign. Um, you look at England, you think, you know, that they're certainly reconsidering their assistant coaches. It didn't work once again for them under Ed Jones, even though he's got the support. They've got the money, the wealth. Could, could, could Robertson end up, you know, at one of those two nations in an assistant role? Obviously, it's a different, but it's experience nonetheless. We saw that, you know, Steve Hansen, before he was a head coach, was a, an assistant for a long, long time at the All Blacks. So I wouldn't rule out something like that. Uh, and even, even a country like Japan, uh, we know that Tony Brown spent time there, Jamie Joseph's there, they've already got a heavy link. If you could continue to elevate the standing of Japanese rugby, I don't think that's a, that, that's a downfall or a door. And I know that Dave Rennie has been very close to, to, um, to, to Scott Robertson at times, um, rates him very highly. Um, the Wallabies, from my understanding, might not have a forwards coach in play actually at the middle of the year um, for France, which would be very interesting. Um, they're, they're a cash-strapped nation, um, as we know. So that, that's where that might fall over. But there's a, there's a lot of moving parts. And as Jim says, the rugby championship, the Tri-Nations, um, whatever it ends up being, will be quite interesting and it could be telling. But whether or not it's too late for Scott Robertson um, we will wait and see. Yeah, it really feels like we're getting to the meaty part of the season, not just with the finals this year, but with uh, the Trans-Tasman tournament to come and uh, the Wallabies to face France, which is now looking like they'll, they'll do so within two weeks. So um, some really, really interesting times ahead. Uh, before we leave the, the Chiefs and Crusaders, boys, we, we better get some tips here. Uh, I think Crusaders will do it comfortably and I'm tipping them by 12. Uh, I'm a Crusaders by 10 men. <laughs> I'm going to slip the middle. We're going to go 11, but I agree. I think the Crusaders will be too good. Well, there you go. Get to the uh, your local TAB or betting app provider and, and get on that 1-12 to 12 Crusaders because it's um, three blokes can't be wrong. Uh, boys, let's move on now to um, a piece I actually wrote yesterday for, for ASBN.com.au around uh, the Wallabies Giddo Law um, and just Big Will Skelton who continues to go from, from strength to strength up there in Europe. Uh, we know off-season move from Saracens uh, after their salary cap fines and, and relegation there to the, the championship over in, in England, uh, moved across to La Rochelle and just by all reports, and, and certainly if Brian O'Driscoll interviewing the Times over the weekend was anything to go by, has been just an absolute uh, huge addition to that side and, and as of the weekend has helped carry them through to a first ever European Cup final. Now, I understand the logistics around getting blokes back for, for two weeks quarantine, but um, I just feel at this point that 
we we understand that the move that was made last year, the, the updated Gitto law with, with Dave Rennie having the ability to bring back two guys uh, outside who do not meet the uh, the 60 cap threshold um, or that seven years of service. Um, now, two weeks quarantine is a lot to get over, but for me, this is a win-win for both parties. Uh, if I'm Will Skelton, I'm thinking, look, I want to get back. Um, here's a chance to show that I deserve that big money, that Michael Hooper money. Uh, and if Rugby Australia, we know how big Dave Rennie is on culture. Um, if he's going to bring him back, remember, it's been five years since we've seen Will Skelton play a test. Um, I want to get him back, even if it's only for two two games, say, of the Rugby Championship or the Bledisloe Cup before he has to go back to France. I want him involved. I want to see whether his rugby that's been so impressive up there uh, virtually since he, he went to Saracens and dropped all that weight, um, where that amounts at test level. Um, I'd be doing everything I can on both fronts to, to get him back. Jimmy, um, how do you see it? Um, I agree with that. Um, with with Skelton, we all saw his uh, advantages and uh, the little flaws in his makeup, uh, line out being, being one. It was virtually a, a giant lock who didn't get off the ground and didn't win lineouts. So that, that was always a, a little bit of a handicap. But I, I look at Sidalecki Tamani coming back into Australia and what French rugby's done for him. He is a really professional, hard international lock. Now, he, that, that's been the development of Sitter's game. And if you extrapolate that onto Will Skelton, who's a more dynamic player, who's probably learned how to win lineouts and contribute in so many areas. You look at his, his physique, uh, he's taken off a bit of that puppy fat. He's a huge, scary uh, lock to be playing against. So number one, no one's guaranteeing a spot in the Wallaby side. They're saying, get him back and have a look at him. Yeah. And it might be that he has two bench games, but he's connected to Australian rugby. And that means you've got the way in to keep him connected for the next World Cup. And that's so important. You can't just have this big void and say, Come on, we'll just uh, we'll give you a roll of the dice in uh, before France because we haven't got anyone else. That's not the way you do it. Uh, we've got plenty of locks. Um, we want to have a look at him, keep him involved. It's a, it's a wild card you use. You, you create these rules so you can take advantage of them. And that's something Australia should do. Christy, um, I know you've raised the points around quarantine uh, just on social media. Um, Clearly, they can be managed. I know we know, uh, we understand the, the issues that Will had with his weight um, over the years. He seems to be well on top of that now for the last few years. Um, we saw Sonny Bill Williams. We might see TJ Perinara do it to, to come back and, and join the Roosters, perhaps. Get him an exercise bike in his hotel room. Uh, we know the Wallaby strength and conditioning stuff would be all over it. Surely, if they can make this happen, they should. Yeah, we're not we're not going to see it. I don't think in June in or July rather, because you know it's a, it's a two week window. Lara Shell would probably make the final, so he might not even play a match. It just wouldn't be worth it. But for the rugby championship, yeah, I, I think you make valid points. I think Jim is hit the nail on the head with Sidalecki Tamani. Doesn't he just look really solid? Um, you look at the the Wallabies forwards; they're okay, but. They're nothing, I don't think, on Rory Arnold or Will Skelton. You look at the World Cup of 2019 and, and the South African second rowers, they had four of them that were absolutely world-class uh, that would have probably walked into any international side, probably better than the All Blacks or just as good at least. And you look at England, and since they've lost George Cruz, their second rower, England's line-out, their set-piece has been nowhere near as confident and as good. But they haven't been able to get over the advantage line as much. Um, 
Will Skelton, it should be just Operation Get Will Skelton. I've had a couple of messages with him recently. He's not giving anything away. He doesn't want to play this out in the media at all. Um, so I think watch this space certainly around him, but you'd be doing everything you can to get him in because he's a guy that can get you over the game line every day of the week. In the meantime, Jimmy, uh, clearly got Matt Phillip, who, who's coming back, uh, Isaac Rotter as well. Um, not only great additions, both for the Rebels and uh, and Force respectively, but but guys who really started to show something at test level before they decided to, to move away. Yeah, I think seeing Philp come through last year was uh, really encouraging for me. He's that workhorse lock uh, and it, it proved so. The number of ball carries he kept cranking out uh, test after test last year, that was really uh, impressive for mine. Uh, we always look at the lofty two-meter locks and go, "Oh, look, let let's guess at what they're capable of winning lineouts and whatever." But but Philip is that grunt man, and, and it really worked in Rennie's formula last year. So I'm excited there. Um, Isaac Rodder, he, he he was a a staple in the Wallaby side. Um, he's got to earn his uh, stripes back again now that he's had his little uh, fling overseas. But he'll have learned something over there as well. So Rennie's not handing out test caps um, willy-nilly. So Isaac's got to earn his uh, stripes again. So uh, fair enough, but the more the merrier in terms of competition for a, a position that's so significant for Australia to do well. Absolutely. I really can't wait for that, that French series to get underway in July. Uh, boys, uh, before we wrap up today, I just thought we'd, we'd touch on television um, the figures coming out this week. Now, I know, Christy, uh, you can um, sit on your hands here if you like this one. We've uh, we've all been connected with either Fox Sports or News Corp, the three of us. Jimmy, you're, of course, your long, proud relationship with the Courier Mail. Um, just uh, taking those hats off, if you can, what have you made of, of Stan and, and, and Nine Gem, I guess, the broadcast? Um, certainly the, the figures that came out from, from Nine Gem originally from... Rugby Australia took a little bit of deciphering and, and there's certainly been a bit of debate around exactly how they came to that 144% increase. Um, Stan figures this week, about 150,000 subs for Stan Sport, um, about 75 new. Looking at it purely from a broadcast perspective for me, I, I think they've done a really good job so far, not without some technical difficulties, certainly that I've suffered here in, in watching, uh, watching on at home on occasion. Um, but I'd have to say that um, I'm pretty happy with, with what I've seen so far. Uh, I uh, support that wholeheartedly. I think just uh, the, the mood of rugby in the country was for something different. Uh, even the perception of, okay, rugby's doing something. So they shook everything up and, and that, that was a seismic shift moving from uh, Fox and uh, a very comfortable situation rugby had there. Um, I thought their on-air presentation's been uh, been zappy. I thought Ros Kelly, Alana Ferguson have done uh, both done an excellent job in their roles. I think Michael Checker, his insightful uh, commentary has been really uh, engaging. So I think presentation-wise, they've done a really good job. I think figures-wise, um, the 140 percent. Uh, increase in viewers is based on average viewers last year, average viewers this year. Um, uh, there's been a little bit of uh, skewed debate about um, how many watched the first game to how many watched the last game of, of this season, but that's an increase where the biggest state in Australia, the Waratahs, are a basket case. So 
I, I sort of rest a case based on that, that if the figures are going up and the Waratahs are awful, uh, that says something for the figures, I think. And it also doesn't include how many people are watching on Nine Gem. So the figures of people watching rugby in Australia are up. And that all that uh, is probably needs to be said. I'll say two things, and I've got to be careful of what I say, but two, um, two things. Western Force are back. They've been welcomed back. And that has changed the mood in Australian rugby. We, we can't forget that. You know, this is Rugby Australia's decision to cull them ultimately. Um, it was less product for, for, for Fox, so it wouldn't have been a great thing previously. As I say, that's changed it. And, and you know, the Western Force are playing good competitive rugby too. Um, uh, the, the, the second thing that I'd say is Queensland supporters uh, are something a bit different. We see it on social media. As soon as you write something about, you know, Carmichael Hunt, the Broncos, the Lions, the Reds, there's a lot more engagement than I think New South Wales supporters. So I don't see that it's, I think there's definitely a coincidence in the fact that the Reds are now playing a great brand of rugby. Hats off to Brad Thorne and to the Reds. I think that's great. Yes, once the Waratahs start to play, those maybe those ratings go up even more. But I think it's significant that that the Reds are playing very, very well. Um, but I agree. I think Michael Check has been outstanding. I think it's really interesting and it's provided um, much more uh, with the insightfulness that he's offered. I think he's surprised a lot of people that wouldn't have known how engaged and, and the level of detail that he would, would have done as well of his coach. Um, but Ros Kelly's been, I think, a breath of fresh air too. Um, Alana Ferguson, we've seen that they've used her very, very well with the analytical um, things that she's done at halftime and pre and post game too. Yeah, yeah, well put, Christy. And uh, certainly, I, I think we'll get a good indication of just how on the nose the Waratahs are from a fan perspective. Um, they're taking a game, their final game of the, the crossover series back to Brookie, which... Um, so far, the last few years has been a huge success and uh, you'd hope that um, the fans certainly up on the beaches will rally and, and get down to that one and, of course, playing the Crusaders down in Wollongong. So it's two great games for, yeah. for Australian rugby, for, sorry, for Waratahs fans to get out and watch uh, through uh, May and June. Uh, all right, boys, look, it's uh, it's been fantastic to have you both on today. Uh, really excited for what's to come this weekend. Jimmy, I'm sure you'll probably be uh, doing pretty well to, to get much sleep over the next few nights, mate. Uh, enjoy uh, Suncorp on Saturday night. It promises to be a, a fantastic game. Um, and yeah, yeah, have a great night. No, it should be, should be a beauty. And um, if the Reds win, I'll have a, a bus ticket for Christy to find his new apartment at Burley Heads. <laughs> and Christy, mate, thanks again for, for dropping in. We'll, uh, we'll continue to follow you both on, on Fox Sports and the 15. And of course, all your rugby available at ESPN.com.au as well. 